Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. In the studio, it's... Nikki. And Richie Rich. In the studio, it's... Nikki. And Richie Rich. And I am your host, the Reverend Captain Kickass. Just Nikki, not Nikki Sunshine? Nope. No? Okay. Not Nikki when was the last time you've been Nikki Sunshine? You've, 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 you've gone full mononym? I'm usually Nikki. I know, but like, hmm. you know. It's Nikki Sunshine. Nope. Yeah, Too okay. late? Yeah, yeah, I ruin no. it? Yeah, I, I, no. like, I like just Nikki better now. Okay. Now that you've made the decision. <laughs> I don't remember the last time you said Sunshine. Uh, like, I, I rarely do. I think yeah. Every once in a while, I'll on, sprinkle it in, you know? I think the last time she was on it, it came up in conversation, something okay. about mm-hmm. moonshine versus sunshine or yeah. something. Okay. I don't, you know, whatever. Planet well, the sun shine. hasn't gone down yet, so... I'm oh. not yet Nikki Moonshine. Oh. But what about when you're drunk? Well, it's it's all about the, the time of day. So <laughs> oh, okay. Day drinking, still Nikki Sunshine. So even if you're day <laughs> drinking and you're drinking moonshine during the day, you're still Nikki Sunshine? Yep. Until she gets drunk. Okay. No, until it's nighttime. Oh. Hmm. Or would that like really be more of like an eclipse? If it's during the day, sun's out, you're drinking moonshine, it's like, oh, look, an yeah. eclipse. Then we just put on Pink Floyd. Well, let's just continue on with Marvin Heemeyer. Uh, I actually pulled up just, a, I wanted to play just a little bit of the news footage because there was uh, air, uh, a helicopter sort of following him around. Uh, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Marvin Heemeyer... Uh, was so distraught over the way he was treated by the city of Granby, Colorado, that he built himself uh, an armored vehicle out of a bulldozer. Now, it's important to know that the bulldozer was his. He owned it, and he actually bought it so that he could put in a a, uh, a right-of-way passage to his muffler shop. And uh, that was, this is after the city tried to F him uh, rather rather uh without lube and all that kind of stuff and so he was like okay well that's fine you know we'll just go this other route and so he bought all this equipment and then the city denied him uh his ability to put in this entryway so cutting off his business from any customers whatsoever uh so he built this armored vehicle out of this bulldozer that he bought and ironically uh, called the killdozer when, Even though he killed no one. Well, himself. Right, yeah. Okay. He's the only casualty. Understood. And the only people that he targeted were the people, the city officials who wronged him. So, he didn't target them. He targeted their businesses. Right, right. Yeah. Like his intent was not to kill. It was to destroy. Right. I mean, but, sounds fair to me. Uh, especially after the way he was treated. And we'll get into all of that. But uh, I wanted to just sort of play a little bit of... Uh, Audio here for you, if I can remember what the heck I did with it. Ah, here it is. Stand by. It's the triangle pointing to the right. Yeah, thanks, man. Okay. Yeah. Now, if you'll stay with us, he is just headed westbound again. This is tape. He is just again headed westbound into the downtown area. Right there, may have taken out a radiator. He doesn't stop for light poles. He doesn't stop for buildings. He takes out the corner of the copycat store. Again, this is right in downtown Granby. And then the gamble store next to this became another prime target. He backed up. While the radiator's smoking, while he has any power left, he's going to attack that Gamble's appliance store. Many of the stores, the buildings, the offices that we have seen him take out apparently seem to have some rhyme or reason to him, uh, some kind of history, some kind of ongoing gripe that were part of his problem with the... 
the city officials and some of the other business owners in Granby. Yeah, some kind of gripe. Yeah. You know, a well-informed journalist there. I mean, the well, thing was just happening, so right. they really had no idea. So I'll, I'll give them a little bit of a break there. But That seems fair. That's... Uh, you know, that certainly it was breaking news at the time. You know, live eye in the sky, helicopter footage. Crazed maniac in armored bulldozer runs yeah. through city. Uh, Hebeyer had feuded with Granby Town officials particularly over fines for violating city health ordinances after he purchased property with no sewage system. Over about 18 months, Hebeyer had secretly armored a Komatsu bulldozer with layers of steel and concrete on june 4th of 2004 hemeyer used the bulldozer to demolish the granby town hall the house of the former mayor and several other buildings he killed himself after the bulldozer got stuck in the basement of a hardware store that he was destroying uh that's the summary uh what they leave out of course is uh the reason that the property didn't have a sewage system was because it was cut off by right. uh, another piece of property that was uh, putting in a, a business. And so they promptly cut him off. And as a result, the city was like, oh, well, now we're going to fine you too. Ha ha. And it was. Sucks to be you. Yeah, Marvin. this wasn't, this wasn't, you know, him just you know, randomly purchasing property with no sewage system and then getting fined. This was a series of events and a series of FUs by the city of or, Granby, Colorado. Or even if you buy a piece of property. Right, and they go like, okay, don't forget, you got to put in the sewage system. Right, right, and you make all the efforts to do so, right, to avoid the fines. But they didn't. There was like no opportunity to do any of that. They cut him off. You know, they they chopped him down every chance they had, for whatever reason, whatever whatever gripe they had with him and his muffler shop. Yeah, uh, in 1992, Hemeyer purchased two acres of land. <clears throat> Uh, from the Resolution Trust Corporation, a federal agency organized to handle the assets of failed savings and loans associates. Uh, He purchased it for $42,000 to build a muffler shop. He agreed to sell the land to Cody Docheff to build a concrete batch plant, Mountain Park Concrete, for $250,000, according to Susan Docheff. He might have changed his mind and increased the price to $375,000, then to a deal worth approximately $1 million. This negotiation happened before the rezoning proposal was heard by the town council. Council In 2001, Granby Zoning Commission and trustees approved the construction of the concrete plant. Hemeyer unsuccessfully appealed the decision, claiming the construction blocked access to his shop. He was subsequently fined 2500 bucks for not having a septic tank on the property that his muffler shop occupied. Defenders of Hemeyer contend that he made a point of not hurting anybody during his bulldozer rampage. Ian Dougherty, a bakery owner, said Hemeyer went out of his way to not harm anyone. Others offered different views. The sheriff's department argued the fact that no one was injured was not due to good intent as much as to good luck. Hemeyer had installed two rifles and firing ports on the inside of the bulldozer and fired 15 bullets from his rifle at power transformers and propane tanks. Had these tanks ruptured and exploded, anyone within a half a mile of the explosion could have been endangered, the sheriff's department said. Yeah, lots of things could have happened. Yeah. Twelve police officers and residents of Senior Citizens Complex uh, were within such a range. Hemeyer fired many bullets from his... Senior citizens. Yeah. Tried to kill some old people. What about... You gotta be concerned for the old people. 
Himeyer fired many bullets from his semi-automatic rifle at Cody Dochev when Dochev tried to stop the assault on his concrete plant by using a scraper, which was pushed aside by Himeyer's bulldozer. It's tough for me to play you the audio for this, but basically what happened is uh, the city figured out they could borrow another piece of heavy equipment. This is a, a large tractor-looking thing, approximately the same size and weight. Uh, the aerial footage of these two pieces of heavy machinery sort of doing battle is reminiscent of, like, the Transformers yeah, doing battle. Yeah, it totally is. You know, or something you might see, like a, a heavy equipment uh, demolition derby. They're, like, running into each other. The one At very slow speeds. Yeah, the one... <laughs> Uh, the one had like a scoop and the dozer, you know, the scoop over the top and the dozer's got the scoop on the bottom and there it's, it's a heavy equipment machinery fight. Life-size robot wars. It is. Yeah. It's like or robot battle wars. Bots. Battle bots. Thank you. Either one. Uh, later, Hemeyer fired on two state patrol officers before they had fired at him. The sheriff's department also noted that 11 of the 13 buildings Hemeyer bulldozed were occupied until moments before their destruction. At the town library, for example, a children's program was in progress when the incident began. One officer dropped a flashbang grenade down the bulldozer's exhaust pipe with no apparent effect. Local and state patrol, including a SWAT team, walked behind and beside the bulldozer, occasionally firing, but the armored bulldozer was impervious to their shots. Attempts to disable the bulldozer's cameras with gunfire failed as the bullets were unable to penetrate the three-inch bulletproof plastic. That's the Lexon we talked about earlier at one point see and this is why your local police department needs a bear cat just in case Dude, just this, in case bear cats no match for the kill dozer i'm, I'm sorry i'm just you know i'm trying to play devil's advocate yeah. okay all right did a number on our window yeah yeah sure did should have made the, the window one foot concrete and, with steel and the, the door frame out front here too yeah maybe uh, we'll do that next that's the next set of renovations <laughs> Start pouring some cement on stuff. House dozer. Welding. Wait, uh, no. <laughs> so I don't. I don't want to like you know this spoiler alert. I guess or a good idea maybe, right? But I always I think you know if I were building my ideal house with defensive position, yeah, right. The foyer would be like a kill box, right? You can get oh. you can blow through the front door, and then you enter like the impenetrable area, yeah, where I can get you and you can't get any further. Right. Mm. Yeah. So pro tip for you. The aftermath of this, of course, is on April 19th of 2005, the town announced plans to scrap Hemeyer's bulldozer. The plan involved dispersing individual pieces to many separate scrapyards to prevent souvenir taking. <laughs> Smart. If you have a piece of the killdozer, give us a call 603-283-6160, because I'd like to know what piece do you got? Where'd you get it from? How'd you get it? All that fun stuff. Although no one other than Hemeyer was killed in the incident, the modified bulldozer has occasionally been referred to as the killdozer. There should, there should be an effect on that. The killdozer. 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 Right, yeah. Uh, it's unclear whether this uh, is an allusion to the 1944 short story Killdozer or its 1974 film adaptation or if this is independent coinage of a term. In recent years, Hemeyer gained a small internet following for his bulldozer attack, comparable to the Unabomber's fight. They're trying to lump yeah, him in with the Unabomber. Come on. Yeah, the Unabomber was on a whole different plane than Marvin Hemeyer. Sorry, Wikipedia. Uh, blah, 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 blah. At any rate.
in addition to the writings that he left on the wall of his shed, he might have recorded three audio tapes. This is what you're talking about, Richie Rich. Explaining his motivation for the attack. The tapes contained two separate recordings on each side for a total of six recordings. He mailed these to his brother in South Dakota shortly before stepping into his bulldozer. I mean, this entire thing was thought out very carefully. Yeah. I mean, it took him a year to build it. Yeah. Right? A year so, and a half. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hemeyer's brother turned the tapes over to the FBI, who in turn sent them to the Grand County Sheriff's Department. The tapes are about two and a half hours long. The first recording was made April 13th, 2004. The last recording was made May 22nd, 13 days before the rampage ensued. God built me for this job, Hemeyer said in the first recording. He also said it was God's plan that he not be married or have a family so that he could be in a position to carry out such an attack. Sounds a little crazy, but... I mean, yeah, anyone who hears voices in their head, you know. I mean, uh, it's, it's a lot, you know, even even for the FBI. Right, you don't go after like married people to do the dirty work, right? It's like single, lonely dude. Yeah. Right, because they've got nothing to lose. No, I mean that part makes sense. Yeah. Investiga- investigators later found Hemeyer's handwritten list of targets. According to police, it included the buildings he destroyed, the local Catholic church, which he did not damage, and the names of various people Praise who Jesus. had sided against him in past disputes. Notes found by investigators after the incident indicated the primary motivation for the bulldozer rampage was his plan to stop the concrete plant from being built uh, near his shop. This is the one that would have prevented or that did prevent uh, right. traffic from getting to his shop. These notes indicated that he held grudges over the zoning approval. I was always willing to be reasonable until I had to be unreasonable, he wrote. Quote, sometimes reasonable men must do unreasonable things. Unquote. And thus is the tale of Marvin Hemeyer and the Killdozer. I mean, I think this should be a lesson to be careful who you do dirty. Oh, yeah. You know, like. Yeah. Like. it. You never know who's going to drive a bulldozer into your house. Well, everyone wants to think that, oh, the law protects me. And, you know, the... It's actually the opposite. The the cops protect... No, no, the cops protect themselves. The cops protect the ruling class. That is the the mayors, the governors, the police themselves, you know, any alphabet agency, uh, the city, the county, the state, the federal, right? These are the people that they protect. They do not protect you or I. They do do not protect the the citizens. No, Uh, the citizens are just tax cattle, right? Taxation is the milk... We are the cattle, they are the farmers, and uh, the government are the enforcers. Well, and th- this is this is where I get in trouble, especially on this show, right? Let's try not to do that. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> this, this is a prime example, right, of keeping government agents in check, right? They, they typically act as if there's no recourse to them personally. Yep. Right, it's just it's all in the line of duty, mm. right? I, I I make the laws, we pass the laws, they enforce the laws, and I have made the you know I'm I'm of the opinion I've made the claim the contention, right? That every so often, right, as the founders suggested, they need to be reminded that they have stake in the game. Yeah, what's the quote from the founders? Uh, the the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. 
Is it with Patriots and Tyrants? I thought it was just Tyrants. No. Oh. Patriots going to lose some blood, too. I didn't realize friend. the quote included uh, That's because most libertarians well. leave that part out because they don't want to get their hands dirty. Free Talk Live. You are on the air. What is your first name, please? It's Renee. Hey, Renee. You're on the show. What's on your mind? Oh, my mind is I'm having adventures with uh, plant obsolescence today. My, my two phones I had a year plan with, as I said, they came out with a new model, so now I'm even if I pay my internet fees and my telephone fees, they're still glitching. So, like I'm forced to get a uh, how you call that uh, uh, a remodel, or whatever. And I'm I'm yeah, upgrade. Should I jump companies? And, and that's tyranny right there. I mean, they're not even in the government, and these people are at the top, and they could they do conspire. Everybody conspires. Everybody make I conspire. Other people conspire. Just a human thing could conspire. Is that with this capitalism and this free trade and competition, the companies still are cooperating across the board, and the government and uh, people are stupid and unaware of it, how much planned obsolescence degrade the quality of life and the pursuit of happiness and, and a better life when you have to spend your money to constantly upgrade every damn thing that you already spend your money to try to get up and ahead in life, like so said the American dream. Yeah, I, I agree with what is happening. Uh, what I don't agree with is that we have a free market. We do not have a free market. Uh, the competition is severely limited by uh, being a corporation, by, by the corporations themselves. Government created this fiction called corporations, and what this does is it gives anyone in business uh, who becomes a corporation, gives them an unfair advantage against other competition. It allows them to curry favor with the government. It allows them to use government. They have to follow the rules of being a corporation, which, of course, government decides what those rules are as well. So we, we Can I ask a question? Sure. Uh, I mean, the, the blacks did it during segregation. What do you think about a conservatives trying to make a parallel economy? Or is that one more illusion against well, the liberals? Well, there there is something called the Agora. Uh, you might know it as the gray market or the black market. Uh, this already exists uh, globally, as a matter of fact. So there is an alternative market. It's just, you know, what can you get on it? Well, the stuff you can't get regularly, right? So, again, unpopular opinion here. I don't necessarily think that planned obsolescence is a government issue, right? Like when, I think it's an everybody issue. Right, but what you're talking okay. about is, you know, needing to upgrade your cell phone. And what people don't take into consideration with this particular issue, right, is there's a cost of maintaining the old technology. And at some point, that cost outweighs the benefits because not enough people are using it, right? And there's some people on the left that may describe that as a market failure, but it's not, right? Like the, the 3G towers are coming down. Right, I used to have uh, Clearwire for my internet service. Oh, wow, That's it was it was yeah. over WiMAX, yeah. right? Which is which is an obsolete technology. Right, yeah. And at some point, they sent me a letter said, "We're not going to do this anymore. Find yourself another internet provider." Right, and the technology is just too expensive to maintain for the small number of people it still serves. Right, which is why you don't get good internet in rural areas. Right, right. It's too expensive to run the wire out there. For such a small market. So the market doesn't get served. And so the companies go where it's profitable, as they ought to do, 
right? 4G towers, 5G towers, whatever is coming next. Can I throw something else intricate? Sure. Offshore. When I work offshore, maybe it's what he's saying. Once you go a certain limit offshore and the tower service there works, it's about retarded, like, I don't know, like a $50 a minute thing, like when you go offshore, like on a rig or something. I try to use a cell. I try to use yeah. that service or on a cruise. It's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yep. it's a small number of people using a large amount of service, and someone has to bear the cost. And in a free market, right, the cost is bared by the user. Yep. It's not subsidized in any way. So Captain Kickass is an ordained minister. However, Captain Kickass is not my legal name. I've never changed it. I've never filed paperwork. And so my concern is that, of course, if I were to agree to officiate someone's state-sponsored wedding, that it would be legally invalid. Oh, okay. yeah, I mean, it might. Yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, if you I, okay, so I mean, if you wanted to, right, you would then just check with the state, right? I operate a business known as Captain Kickass. I mean, sure, there's things that I could do about it, yeah. but I don't really want to because, like, you know what the fun part of weddings is? The reception. Understood. Yeah, I was about to say, would you enjoy? I do not enjoy officiating. Yeah, Yeah. so then hmm, especially you know, with over half of marriages ending in divorce, it's like I don't want to preside over that. Nope. You know, liability. Yeah. I had an ex coworker who was also ordained, and he wanted to. You know, I I prodded him to do this. I think he registered a domain at one point and then did nothing with it. But it was like the one minute wedding. Ooh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Right. Like. You know, if you're presiding over it, like, yeah. you know, you got the two of you, you got the witness. Do you? Yep. Do you? Yep. Boom. And then you sign the paperwork. <laughs> yep. and- you, you dig him? Yep. You, you dig her? Yep. You're married. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> boom. Bada Bam. bing, bada yeah. boom. You reduce it to like, you know, 30 seconds or something. We need not you know? go yeah. through all the pomp and circumstance here. <laughs> <laughs> and with Zoom now, man, you can just have witnesses wherever. Oh, yeah. Right? They can just remote in from wherever on their laptop or their phone or whatever. This ain't no two hour long Catholic wedding. <laughs> Get up, sit back down, stand up, and also sit like down. I I don't understand why uh, people wouldn't try to uh, have their marriages at uh, like a more convenient time. And what I mean by that is five p.m. No, 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 no. <laughs> Lots of folks want to do the tradition of the June wedding, right? You know, yeah. Uh, and they want the nice, and, and they want to have like the outdoor ceremony with the the big trellis and you yeah. know the the lawn cha- the white lawn chairs and you know the Same the pipe idea. organ with the music and you know all the traditional stuff, but then they go to great lengths to invite all of their family on both sides yeah. of of the marriage, right? So you know his family, her family, and all that kind of stuff. And it's like there are other times during the year when all of those people gather together. So why not have your wedding then? I'm thinking Thanksgiving, that, Christmas. You know, well, that's why I had my wedding Cause during Porkfest because I'm like, oh, cool. All my friends are already going to be here. Come up a day early. And I love that idea. Yeah. Uh, especially Obviously, being, my family had to travel like three to four to five to six hours to yeah. get there. But your blood family. Mm, that is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. But my New Hampshire family is already here and they're most of them are already going to be at Porkfest. Yep. So they're like, oh, sweet. I, I don't have to go anywhere different. Yeah. I can just be there. Yeah. yeah. And it's I don't funny when I make an excuse to not go. I just because I'm already there. <laughs> Two of my friends that uh, live at Rogers for the summer yeah. were like, "We really, really appreciate you doing your wedding right here. We don't even have to leave like where we live. Like they're like, this is zero. We didn't have to pay any travel costs, any extra stuff. We're just 
yep. rolling out of bed and showing up to your wedding. This is great. I was going to come just for the reception, but now since the wedding is right there, I guess I have to sit through that nonsense now, too. Thank you, Nikki. <laughs> Are you actually coming? No, uh-uh. not at all. Yeah. all right. I'm driving three hours to watch Nikki get married. <laughs> what about the party? Eh. I'm an introvert. I don't really yeah. know. Part of well, and he doesn't. He doesn't drink. like disco. He that's what drink. it is. He doesn't smoke. What do you do? Wait, that's an Adam Ant song, isn't it? Don't drink, don't smoke. What do you do? Yeah, I play video games. Oh, okay. Yeah. But you could probably do that while they're getting married. Yeah, I could. You probably <laughs> will switch. be actually. Yeah. But, yeah, but I don't have to drive three hours to yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to drive three hours to sit and play the game. I could play back home on my couch with the AC on. This from thegatewaypundit.com. We uh, this story has been brushed upon. That's not a pun. Uh, it has been mentioned on Free Talk Live, but let's get the update. The headline reads: Ireland plans to slaughter two hundred thousand farting cows to save planet from global warming. Thank you, Ireland. Yeah, make it make now, sense. Now I don't have to change my lifestyle. Apparently, flatulent uh, heifers. Holstein cattle, if you will, are what causing global warming? It's a lot of methane. I'm, I'm not sure how that's, you know, but but yet like the the military. I mean, the military is the number one polluter. Yeah. Yes. Period. Also, why don't we just plant some more trees or something? Like how? Let's. That seems to make the most sense. Yeah. You know, like let's stop with the urbanization of everything. Let's. Let's not get too carried away. I mean, if they what? That's better than slaughtering a bunch of cows. I mean, sometimes getting carried away is good radio. <laughs> I like to get carried away. Yeah, but that's only because I you're want... married and you're expecting to get carried over the threshold. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. No, no, really? probably not. Uh, that's got a bad back. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they make dollies and stuff, right? Okay. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, Babe, we got to invest in this exoskeleton. <laughs> <laughs> they do make those. I know. Uh, just get a forklift. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not that you weren't a forklift or anything. <laughs> oh wow, N- Nikki's Nikki's way. Guess too I thin better uh, watch my weight. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> watch it go up. Carried uh, over the threshold. I mean, you could just get like, oh, I don't know, uh, a bulldozer, for example, yes. with the big scoop, and it could carry you mm-hmm. away. Uh, while you were sleeping, this is the article now, uh, while you were sleeping, the globalist fanatics went after your food supplies. Again. Yeah, uh, continuously. The globalist movement is targeting food production in the West, and of course, the crooked officials are glad to assist. Government officials in the Netherlands, a major European food producer, shut down 3,000 productive farms to comply with global warming goals in November. In December, Germany ordered farmers to slash fertilizer after the Dutch farms were shut down to comply with global warming standards. Did you cover, I want to break in real quick. I don't know if it was covered here or if I just saw the headline for it. Recently, um, like some CEO of a carbon offset company had to resign because they were giving out fake offsets. Like they were fudging oh, the numbers. Have you seen this? Uh, I, I've, I've breezed across the headline okay. and I haven't been able to delve into it. Okay. Don't worry about it then. Okay. The headline's good. But just, you know, they're, they're doing all this stuff for global warming. Yeah. Right? And it was basically like, just give us money and we'll make something up. And, yeah. And then they made something up. They went, well, you can't make it up. It's all made up. The whole thing's made I up. I know. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just- But he la- resigned over it. It's just laughable that they're targeting farms. 
Oh, yeah. You know, like that just doesn't seem to me to be the cause of global warming. No, it's If not. anything, you'd think farmland and pastures, plants, like that would be better for the environment. Totally. Absolutely it is. Or at least... I mean, you can't pin this yeah. on cows. Like if you live in a, like a big city, Kill especially... Truck. Especially a big city with like a large uh, industrial yeah. uh, district where there's a lot of manufacturing, that kind of stuff going on. And then you move to somewhere like, oh, I don't know, rural New Hampshire, for yeah. example, where it's all trees and mountains yeah, and take a breath. farmland. And you're like, oh, wow, it's so much fresher here than it is mm-hmm. there. You know, so This is what air smells like. Yeah. Uh, so this week, Irish lawmakers are pushing a plan to kill off 200,000 cows to reach their global warming goals. Farm World reported this. The Irish government is considering an initiative to significantly reduce the number of dairy cows in order to reach its climate change targets. A target of reducing emissions from farming in Ireland by a quarter by 2030 has been set by government. Dun, dun, dun. One proposal to achieve this is by reducing the national dairy herd by 10%, the equivalent of removing 65,000 cows a year for three years, according to the Irish Independent. Tim in Florida. Tim, you are on the air on Free Talk Live. Yeah, um, what you're talking about is absolutely disgusting. Uh, it's just evil villain level. Are you yep. talking about the uh, the cows? Yeah, I mean, you know, basically destroying food supply. Um, I mean, that, that's like, uh, who's that guy on um, Austin Powers, you know? The- Dr. Oh, evil. Dr. Evil, a- yeah. One million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> that guy? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I actually called in about something else, though. Sure, go ahead. Uh, if, I, if I can change the subject. Please. Um, so I was thinking to, my, to myself today, in the absence of, I suppose it's the FCC, who determines the uh, radio frequencies, you know, basically who gets which radio frequencies? Uh, it is the FCC, ultimately. Well, no, it's an absence okay. of the FCC. Oh, a- in absence of the FCC. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so wanting what, to get your broadcast out, don't step on your neighbor's broadcast. Yeah, it's so weird how the government thinks they own the air. Like, it it is possible if it were just a free-for-all that, you know, I could put up a tower and be broadcasting in a, you know, 20-mile radius from wherever the tower is or something like that. And somebody else could put up a tower and broadcast on the same exact frequency and you might get some, like, some crosstalk is what it's called when these signals uh, impede upon each other on, like, regular radio. Uh, But... Like, it, it's bad broadcasting etiquette to do so. Yeah. And so, like, if somebody else is already broadcasting on your frequency, and they're so granular now that it's like 93.5, 93.6, 93.7, 93. You get the idea, right? These sub-increments of these frequency ranges that there aren't enough people actually broadcasting to use up all of the frequencies anyway. But, right. but the government, for whatever reason, wants you to pay their fee, wants you to buy a license, uh, so, number one, so that you can you know broadcast. So number one etiquette, and number two, uh, the the cost of overrunning your neighbor's feed, right? Like if your sole purpose is to put him out of business, you are going to go into debt or whatever doing so because you're not going to be making any money either. So yeah. it makes no business sense to do that either. And not to mention uh, a reputation component, right? In the absence of the FCC. There's going to be a reputation component as a broadcaster. So, you know, you want to be a good neighbor to your other broadcasters and maintain your reputation. Yep. And if you don't, guess what? You're going to lose listeners. You're going to, you know, and your broadcast is going to suffer and, and go off the air. I always thought a nice little, like, you know, network for pirate radio 
would have been, you know, what, whatever the limit below the FCC is, you could run a tower for like a one mile range or whatever. Just if everyone networked, you know, like one one mile to one mile to one mile, and you all, you know, you all had this mesh network of radio towers, you could broadcast whatever you wanted without the FCC being. Yeah, except anything. it's that's uh, actually what I. That's kind of what I was asking. What what actual like protocol solutions? And that sounds genius. And I don't yeah, understand uh, that can't happen today because the uh, the FCC mandate is far less than one mile. Well, whatever it is, it's man. no, it's okay. like it's like. I don't know, like 75 feet from your house. Is it really that small? Yeah, it's okay. that I'm small. I'm not surprised. Uh, because I, I also toyed around with this idea, and I actually went to, uh, there's a page on uh, Free Talk Live, I think it's forward slash radio or something okay. like that, where you can you know learn the sort of the basics of pirate radio. And my idea was this. Uh, for Free Talk Live specifically, I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we just uh, created like a USB stick that our amplifier specifically uh, could you know, receive and plug into the back of their computer, their their home computer, and it would broadcast on whatever frequency, choose a frequency, underneath the FCC limit. And if you had enough of those, if you had enough saturation, right. then anybody driving through that neighborhood or even just, you know, within a couple of houses of you could pick up that transmission. But uh, it wasn't cost effective to do so. They do make uh, these really great USB, I'll call them sticks, but they're basically small computers that you plug into USB, so it needs yeah. some power. You could also put a, a tiny solar panel on them uh, because I thought about uh, just saturating an area with pirate radio, uh, yeah. putting a bunch of solar-powered you know, drones on tops of buildings. I guess the difference is like your way is single-funded, like giving stuff out, mm -hmm. and I'm just suggesting you know, a, a, a network of people who are passionate about yeah. the thing, well, funding their own equipment. Yeah, I think in a, uh, uh, if you want to talk about uh, you know, not only post-government, but post-apocalypse scenario, Right when the FCC yeah. doesn't, doesn't matter. exist, yeah, everyone's a ham radio right? operator, you know? license or uh, license. Yeah, it'll all just work itself out. People will find cooperative ways, you know, to make it happen. So I don't have any very specific ideas on how you know radio broadcast might work in the absence of government. What I do have faith in is the market and people finding a cooperative way to make it happen. And it could even be stuff just as simple as like, hey, I only my target demographic is you know really from. 5 a.m. until 3 p.m. So if you want to broadcast on my off hours, feel free to share my my station or my uh, frequency, that kind of a thing. Yeah. You'd see all sorts of innovation that doesn't exist today because government has such a grip on their, right. quote, ownership, unquote, of air. But the profit motive, the profit motive is a big one. Uh, my name is Brian. Hey, Brian. You're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Yeah, yeah. Um, I called earlier this week trying to challenge, uh, you know, your libertarian ANCAP principles, uh, namely the NAP. Also want to challenge, you know, things like subjective theory of value, rights, all that stuff is embarrassing you guys, I think. Bring it, Jabroni. What was that? Sorry. I said bring it, Jabroni. Richie Rich is accepting your challenge yeah, so and like, ready for you to speak. So go ahead, start with the, the first one. The NAP, yeah, I think. So yeah, I was... Uh, I was rudely uh, being interrupted and cut off last time by that Bonnie chick. But uh, I got to the point where, um, you know, I asked your definition of, you know, the non-aggression principle. Someone offered up, uh, you know, the standard definition um, uh, where aggression is illegit uh, illegitimate. All aggression is illegitimate. And aggression is defined as, you know, initiational force or whatever. And I brought up the example of, 
where it doesn't apply to kids. And I got uh, the girl sitting there to admit that she'd use aggression on, on, on kids to restrict their, you know, their decision making. Well, I said it wasn't aggression. That wasn't aggression. Well, the other chick, uh, Aria, whatever, she revised the definition because she saw the problem in it. So that's not aggression. When you, when you, so when a kid wants to do something against your wishes and you like ground them or stop them from doing it, you know, even, even the the example was a child running out in front of a car and getting injured. No, that's third party self-defense. You're acting on behalf of the car driver. Next. That's just one example. Okay. Uh, Next. I mean, I'm talking, it's, it's a broad decision-making restriction, like, you know, drugs, sex, Things like that. Even if he's running uh, on the street uh, with a car, what if he wants to commit suicide? Things like this. Yeah, but a three-year-old doesn't understand that. That's just basic childhood development. Okay, so I'll just entertain the three-year-old hypothetical. You agree you'll use use aggression against a three-year-old, right? To me, that's not aggression. That's not aggression. You guys agree? Uh, I need more specifics yeah, on I the example. I, I, so first of all, I'm lost on the conversation. I was not here for your yeah. original conversation, Brian. So I don't know where this so, conversation is coming from. I, Obviously, I will, Nikki was involved. I will jump in and say when it comes to suicide in general, uh, I think most people who act to prevent the suicide uh, act selfishly because they don't want the grief of having lost a loved one. Right. But I do not fall into that category. So I have once told a friend, if you need someone to pull the trigger for you, like I'm your guy, I will do that for you because I love you as a friend, right? So not aggression, right? No, to stop them from doing it. That's the thing. I wouldn't stop them. Okay. So let's say you have a kid. I'm not saying you do have a kid, but let's say you have like a 13 year old kid. You know, it's, it's a tough transition, you know, when through puberty and school Mm -hmm. and many turn suicidal, you Mm -hmm. know, like in Asian countries, especially. Would you use aggression to stop your kid from committing suicide? You know, it's it's a temporary thing. It is a temporary uh, thing. Most of the time it's a temporary thing and they might just outgrow it. You know, they might realize the world isn't like, uh, they might. So what, so what you would do in that situation rather than use aggression, right. Is use rationing, logic, reason, even on an emotional appeal, right. To talk them out of it. Rather than I'm not I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the people you can convince with that type of tactic, right? Oh, then I I'm would talking stop about them. where it gets to a point where uh, convincing them through words, you know, you you catch them right on the edge of a building, right about to jump, right? yep, and you they they don't see you like coming up from behind, and you have the ability to snatch them, right? So then the, and so stop then them that through, goes through force, that, right? That's that, aggression. It's not though. So even in that case. Right, you are not. It's not aggression because you are acting on behalf of the the public or the business owner or the property owner, right? Like there's there's people no, below they, there, you know. What? Okay, that's like that, if you push uh, if you push someone out of the front of a moving bus, right? It's not aggression. You're yeah. acting in the defense of the bus driver and the bus company owner. I I don't know where you got like where you assumed like uh, the property owner. Because, even, well, because obviously a 13-year-old doesn't know the building, buddy. So he's on someone but else's you don't property. Know, you don't know the, the property owner's wishes and what he, he condones right. or not. Hey, Daily Digest listeners, this is Riley Blake. 
I enjoy Free Talk Live and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy, so I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin, visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. Because the caller did bring up uh, suicide, uh, I want to say that I have experience as what's known as a student counselor uh counseling kids who you know just need somebody to talk to oftentimes a suicide was brought up uh and i can tell you for a fact that if somebody is committed to committing suicide you are not going to stop them mm-hmm. right? you could try you might stop them once but if they're committed to it they're going to do it they're going to take their own life that being said uh, yes most people come out of it if you're having suicidal thoughts uh, and that kind of a thing, please find somebody to talk to, you know, even if you're convinced that that's what you want to do, please find somebody to talk to and then, you know, make your decision from there. Don't make your decision until you've talked to somebody who, you know, maybe they're outside of your family, maybe they're a professional, whatever it is, just talk to somebody about how you're feeling, give yourself some time. If you're still committed to it, then you're going to do what you're going to do, but please talk to somebody first. And suicide is difficult. Yes. Yeah. Right. You have to overcome the natural human inclination yeah. for self-preservation yeah. to such a degree yeah. right, that you kill yourself, yeah. not and, by accident. And there are people who have tried and failed who regret trying. Yeah. yeah. Was the guy that jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge and survived, which very few people survived right. that, yeah. he said as he was falling... Instant Whoops. regret. Yeah. Because that like natural mechanism of yourself for the self-preservation right. kicks in and you're like, oh my gosh, what did I do? This goes against everything my like basic nature and biology yep. is telling me to do. So. Get that thing in your stomach when you start a slide in the snow too. Yeah. Whoops. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, I just want to elaborate a bit on the student counseling thing. Uh, because I was one of the students... I was able to hear things without having to take any action from students. Right. You weren't a mandated reporter is what you're right. saying? Right. Okay. Because uh, everyone employed by, we'll call it the school uh, or the government or what have you, if a student says something like, hey, I'm feeling suicidal, they are required to report that to both the parents and the government. And whereas a student is not required to do any such thing. So there's literally more freedom in talking to a peer in a student situation than talking to uh, an employee. And so that's why they that, that those things existed. Why I agreed to become a student counselor uh, at the time was because I was like, you mean to tell me they can't freely talk to you guys about yeah. what they're feeling as a teenager when they're going through all this, you know, puberty yeah. and weird upheaval and like emotions and, you know, figuring out that like, you know, they're trying to be independent, but their parents are still holding them back and, you know, what the school's doing and all this kind of crap. Like, it just seems obscene to me that children are not allowed to freely speak to adults without the mandatory reporting requirement. Mm-hmm. So I think man, the, the man, what is it? Mandated reporter. Yeah. I think that thing for like nurses and teachers is so stupid Yeah, because, you know, you can get people, you know, if they come in heated and they're trying to talk to you and they say the wrong thing and you know, like as, me as a nurse, yeah. 
I know when people either mean it or don't mean it. Yeah, yeah I shouldn't make assumptions, but sometimes it's obvious. Like this person's either just pissed off or they're intoxicated or right. whatever it is. I don't think like I'm using my own professional judgment. Yeah. I don't think they're at a risk th- to themselves. So if I don't report that, then it puts me in hot water. Yeah, your if career something happens, is on the line. But right. it's like I'm not going to rat them out for no reason. You know what I mean? So it puts us in a, as like professionals in a really bad position. Obviously, you know, just if there's suspected child abuse or something like that, like, yes, you should do something. But, but I don't you, know. And as soon as you report it, though, like all trust is lost. Like you get one yeah, shot. Absolutely. They're not going to tell you anything again. Yeah, it's gone. exactly. Yeah. So I, I told know. you something in confidence. You reported it to some a-hole down and the street. Also, it's tough for me because I don't believe in getting CPS involved or calling the cops. Right. So it's like, really, no matter what the situation is. Yeah. The original article says, or that I stumbled upon, says, Judge gives 17th order for Tacoma woman with tuberculosis to self-isolate or go to jail. And then the article that actually occurred previous to that was a Tacoma woman with tuberculosis finally arrested yep. to receive treatment in jail. And just briefly, a Tacoma woman who has been avoiding treatment and isolation for tuberculosis for more than a year has been arrested so she can receive medical treatment in jail. Pierce County Sheriff's deputies located and detained the woman at her home in Tacoma Thursday, according to Pierce County Sheriff's Department. The arrest comes after a judge issued a 17th order in May for the woman to be involuntarily detained for treatment. We initially tried to look for her, but we were unable to find her. We believe she was trying to avoid being captured, said Sergeant Darren Moss. The woman was booked into a negative pressure room in the Pierce County Jail Thursday where she will get treatment for TB, tuberculosis. Uh, you might be asking yourself, why does the jail have a negative pressure room? What is a negative pressure room? Well, it's just where like the air in that room doesn't mix with the air in all the other rooms. It's isolated yeah. in that way. Uh, why do they have one in uh, a county jail? Well, believe it or not, TB uh, is popular in jails. Like jails where you you know have a bunch of people caged behind bars and don't really go anywhere. Uh, if TB gets in, it spreads quickly. I'm pretty sure that's the last time I got a TB shot. Was in jail? Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Like during you know Ooh. booking or whatever. Ooh. So uh, I mean, say ooh, but I mean otherwise you know well, I, you're yeah. in isolation. I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like getting shots. That's why I say. Ugh. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I, I I'm anti needle. Okay. <laughs> don't like it. No sir. It's not that I'm not a big enough man that I can't take a shot. Right? Yeah. I've had shots before, but like I just don't like them. I used to have uh, visible tracks from donating blood plasma for a summer. Uh-huh, sure. Yeah. Making them big bucks. Yeah. Like 45 bucks a week, man. Yeah. Donating plasma. No, no, I've, I've heard paid. that before. No, getting paid. By like crackhead telemarketers. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, I'm just used, donating plasma. Right, These so, are track used, marks. You used so, to read my Xbox magazine while sitting in the chair. So first of all, do you have any experience with yeah. like tuberculosis? Can you yeah. tell the listeners like what is it and why is it so, you know, why does it seem like so, it's so important? <laughs> I mean, tuberculosis used to be a bigger deal when it was more prevalent now with like the vaccinations and also like the developing medical technology where we do have negative pressure rooms. We do know that it's an airborne disease. We know how to 
we like we know we have to like how it spreads and that we have to isolate people to prevent it from spreading. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, PPE like medical people when they go into the room, like nurses and doctors and stuff, we're wearing those N95 masks. We're like gowned up head to toe. Yep. We we know the precautions to take when there is a patient with TB. What so, are the, okay, what are the symptoms and what are the effects? So typically tuberculosis is like a a lung thing. Okay. So it coughing, like coughing up blood. I mean, it can be fatal too, yeah. especially if you're elderly or have a, you know, a lowered immune system. So it is kind of a big deal. Also the antibiotics you have to get for tuberculosis, it's hardcore. Like you have to go through several really long rounds of like combination of different antibiotics and you have to be on them for like six months to a year. Like it's a really like the the treatment is very hardcore. Okay. Um, so the reason that I wanted, uh, I, I, thank you. That's great yeah. information. And the reason that I wanted Richie Rich to talk about this is because um, we all just went through COVID, right? And and of course the the big thing, at least from a, a liberty perspective, was hey, my body, my choice. You have this experimental quote unquote vaccine. And yeah. I put that in quotes very specifically because well, it's not. A, it's an experimental bio robot uh, that they have injected into people. Um, and so this whole like my body, my choice thing. Now, if you have a disease, do you not as a person have the right to just have that disease and not get treatment? I would say yes, but I think you might have a different answer. No, no, you can totally have the disease, right? It's the it's the purposeful uh, spreading or negligence so, like, I know there's been cases where, like, like I know a guy got arrested and booked and I think prosecuted and in prison because uh, he contracted AIDS. Right. Uh, and then knowing that he had it, went out and tried to lay as many women as he could. Right. And so because there was intent right. uh, on him spreading it after having knowledge that he had it, they were able to charge him with attempted murder or something, you know, right. something horrendous like that. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to put that in the same category as tuberculosis. Okay. And I think the the reason we make a distinction when it comes to COVID, right, is because we as a society agreed a long time ago, right, that the common cold is not worth shutting down society for, number one. Yep. Right. And number two, we know that this chick has tuberculosis. Right, they're isolating an individual that has the disease. I tested positive for COVID, and I was completely asymptomatic. But I think I lost my sense of smell and taste for like less than twenty-four hours. That was the only thing I got. Yeah, I did not feel. I didn't have a cough. I wasn't yeah. sick at all, and I was sharing quarters with Matt. Yeah, who was like poster child for like getting it and being super sick because of his pre-existing conditions and asthma and everything like that. Yep, and he didn't get sick. We, he didn't test, so we didn't he, like yeah. he didn't take a test, but we would know if he was ill. Yeah. So it wasn't just like, oh, Nikki has a good immune system, blah blah blah. Yeah. I wasn't even. I don't even think I was contagious. Well, I'm pretty sure I had it two or maybe three times, but I've never tested. I got it the one time. It was early on after someone had visited the studio who was in a hospital uh, where it was going round, and then uh, I got it, and then Mark got it. We got it both at the same time. I thought Mark brought it in. No, it was uh, Michael Hampton. No, I know that, but I, yeah. you know, I remember getting it from Mark in the studio because he went, "I'm sick. It's not COVID. Want to see my cough?" And I went, "No." Mm-hmm. Mark and, and I, got... Mark and I, basically got it simultaneously. Okay. He probably had symptoms like a day or two before okay. I did, but we're both convinced that uh, Michael Hampton brought yeah. it to us. Okay. 
There were a few occasions where Mark came here sick with whatever illness and got everyone sick. So yeah. you might be thinking of one of the other times. Yeah. No, no, that was the one. Because okay. that's like right. That's that was my first COVID. I was out legitimately for a little over a week. I mean, I yeah. was out of the studio for you two were, weeks. You were sick. because I was. I was yeah. sick. I had flu-like symptoms, but it, they were odd. I knew that this wasn't the flu. I knew that it was right. different because the order of the symptoms for me was bizarre. And that is to say I had uh, the chills and the sweats alternating first, right? Then I got a runny nose. Then the runny nose went away. Then I got queasy and nauseous. Then that went away. Then I developed the cough, right? Okay. And this is sort of out of order for me normally when I get the flu. Uh, and also the fact that Mark had it and the fact that Michael Hampton had it, uh, like, and I was in the studio with both of those mere days before we got sick. Yeah. Uh, I like, yeah, okay, that's where it came from. Mark did get tested, and he indeed had it. I, I did not get tested, but I can only assume based on how sick I was and that it was at the same time with the same symptoms that Mark had. I also experienced a period of delirium, mm-hmm. uh, which Mark also experienced when, when he had it. Uh, and by delirium, I mean that there was, I don't know, roughly a day or so where I basically slept you know, all day and all night except to get up and you know chug a bunch of water and juice and go to the bathroom. That was yeah. basically my entire day. But like... There was a point where I was, I had a dream and in my dream, some things happened and I'm like, I got to tell somebody. And I like woke up, but I thought I was still dreaming. It was like a lucid dream and I was delirious. And I like got on my phone and I was about to text some people. And like, all of a sudden it, it occurred to me, I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. That didn't actually happen. It was like, I don't remember the exact things, but like it was so, I was like, why am I doing this? What's going on? Nice. So I had a period of delirium where like my dreams and my reality sort of meshed together for a minute and I caught myself, but um, yeah, so it was definitely weird. Okay. Uh, but, I did not get hit that hard in any of the cases. Yeah. Uh, but I was over it, you know, yeah. in about a week. I stayed away for two weeks because that's what everybody was saying. Oh, two weeks to this, two weeks, that, whatever, you know, kind of a thing. I think so. I missed one episode of Free Talk Live because I just didn't want to drive out here that sick. Yeah. 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 I went, eh, I'll miss one. And yeah. And then we're good. Yeah. But that was like, the that was all the work I missed. The whole uh-huh. time. Yeah. Even your day job? Yeah. Wow. I showed up. Nice. Yep. Well, well done. Uh, so, at any rate, that's uh, that's the scoop here on this particular story. There, there's a little more to the details here, but nothing uh, that answers your questions about, uh, you know, was she asymptomatic or not. I was just... I mean, it does kind of sound... If they were treating her, she probably was symptomatic and was like... You know, because people typically do that with antibiotics. Like, oh... I feel better I, now. I feel better. I'm going to stop taking that. No. Finish the course of the antibiotics because that's how we get super bugs and things like that. What are you, some like kind that. of doctor? Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> yeah, I was just, uh, you know, wanting to get like, how does this resolve itself absent government? Property rights. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, like, you know, let's let's describe that. I mean, we did already, but yeah. like, that's that's what I was going for is that's I wanted the short to, answer to to know, like, because in what we have today, you know, a bunch of goons with guns, you know, come and hunt you down. They had her under surveillance for right. like, you know, I don't know, some long period of time. Seems like they'd be able to, like, get some lady who's apparently going back and forth to the casino and her house right. that they'd be able to, like. I don't know, apprehend her in more than or in less than like a week. This this is also why during the COVID situation, right, I disagreed with a lot of libertarians who were overtly violating property rights of the stores and whatnot nearby. Apparently, laws against displaying Nazi esque iconography 
if I'm pronouncing that right. Iconography. 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 Whatever. Laws against displaying Nazi-esque iconography are well-intended, but they pose a threat to free speech and the principles of a free society. Rock musician Roger Waters, founder and one-time frontman of Pink Floyd, performed concerts in Berlin May 17th and 18th. During a couple of his former band's classic songs, Water donned a black military-style uniform with a red armband and fired a prop machine gun into the crowd. Again, nothing he, has, he hasn't done before playing these songs. Uh, for, I don't know, 40 years Pink Floyd's been a thing? More right? than that. Yeah, okay. The costume bore more than a passing resemblance to a Nazi SS uniform, though with two crossed hammers instead of the swastika. It's a completely different design. Uh, I mean, if you're talking about copyright, it's completely different. Sure. Yeah, but and it's supposed to allude to that sort of thing, but this doesn't make him a Nazi. It's part of the song. You know, it's part of the whole brand of the wall. Right. Like even uh, other government laws, at least in the United States, like I know... uh, Doug Stanhope famously took advantage in New York uh, when New York passed their no smoking law. Uh, there was an exception for artistic performances. Nice. And so, like, if you're putting on a theatrical performance of something and, you know, and in the script it says, man lights a cigarette, you can do so on stage as part of the theatrical performance. So he filmed his special No Refunds in New York City. And he, he got on stage and just chain smoked. He's like, in case you're wondering, I am chain smoking on purpose. I'm specifically lighting up cigarette after cigarette because I know you bastards can't. <laughs> uh, so anyway, last week, Berlin police announced an investigation into Roger Waters' uh, sartorial choices and whether they constitute incitement to violence. I would have to go with No. Unfortunately, the investigation is part of a trend amongst European nations that cuts against the principles of a free society. Several European nations criminalize both Holocaust denial and the display of Nazi iconography. Iconography. Whatever. You say tomato. I say tomato. Under German law, under Ger- I can hear David, under German law, <laughs> anyone who displays flags, insignia, uniforms, and their parts, slogans, and forms of greeting of the Nazi regime can face up to three years in prison. Because the Nazis are superior to everybody in every way, shape, or form, according to David. I heard they're so superior they can do those three years in one. (laughs) Can they watch 60 minutes in an hour and a half? Maybe. (laughs) Pause it enough. Announcing the investigation against Waters, police spokesperson Martin Holwig told The Guardian, the context of the clothing worn is deemed capable of approving, glorifying, or justifying the violent and arbitrary rule of the Nazi regime in a manner that violates the dignity of the victims and thereby disrupts public peace. Does it, though? He should just dress well, like the current government officials okay, and do the so, same thing. So first of all, uh, I've been to a bunch of concerts. Concerts aren't really public, I mean, unless it's an outdoor concert. But even so, it's even not really so, public. Even so, not really. You, you have to buy the ticket, so it's yeah. private. So. And even if it's, a, you know, a community, like, you know, no cover fee, right, yeah. you still have to go over there and stand there, and, at, and no one's holding you hostage at any point. You can just leave. Right. The Wall, the 1979 album that Waters wrote, tells the semi-autobiographical story of a fictional rock star named Pink and his descent into madness. Near the end of the album, a drug-addled Pink imagines himself as a fascist dictator and his concert as a Nazi rally. He foments racist violence, sicking his audience on ethnic and sexual minorities, but when his hallucination passes, he realizes what he's done and begs them to stop. 
Waters has worn the same uniform for years when performing the song songs from the wall, including in Berlin. I wish I had clothes that fit that long. <laughs> he insists that the performance is satirical. In a statement after the recent shows, Water contended that his depiction of an unhinged fascist demagogue is quite clearly a statement in opposition to fascism, injustice, and bigotry in all its forms. And I in tell fact, you what, I mean, it's satirical up until now. Next time he's going to be serious about it. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.